Good morning. It's my privilege to welcome you today to Impact City Church, our worship experience. We are so incredibly honored that you're here with us. And we are just grateful for this opportunity. Amos chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. I'm going to read two verses of scripture, then you can have your seat. It's in the YouVersion app. Amos chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. I'm, out, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, therefore, says the sovereign Lord, an enemy is coming. He will surround them and shatter their defenses. Then he will plunder all their fortresses. This is what the Lord says, a shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. So it will be for the Israelites in Samaria lying on luxurious beds and for the people of Damascus reclining on couches. So for the next little while, I'd like to talk to you over the subject, the promise in the pieces. The promise in the pieces. I don't know what your circumstance is like this morning. I don't know what life has dealt you, and I don't know what you are holding on to, and I don't know what fragments, what pieces, and you feel like something that used to be is just fragmented and utterly destroyed, but there is still a promise for you. We serve a God who can do anything, and we're going to trust him today. Please take your seats for just the next little while. Everywhere you look, it seems like things are just falling apart. Everywhere you turn, the society and the world that we live in, everything is not what it used to be, and it seems to be shattering. And that may be what is a reflection or a description of what you're facing this morning. It seems that you may feel this way. You may feel tired. You may feel fatigued from what life has thrown your way. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your career is dwindling. Maybe your finances are struggling. Maybe your spiritual life is hangs in the balance. Maybe your kids are falling apart. So it seems your emotions or maybe even your health. It could be a different scenario for each of us in this place today, but sometimes life has a way of tearing us apart. Sometimes life has a way of taking us through difficult situations. And if it seems that everything in your life is falling apart this morning, today, you need to know that God is still in control. He's still in control and he still has a plan for what you are going through. And we tend to think that when things are falling apart, that God must have it in for us and that we feel like we have done something wrong. And it's the same theology that Job had to deal with when we see that the character of this man tested through different situations. Job's friends repeatedly told him that he must have done something really bad for his life to be falling apart in the way that it was going. Yet what, what Job, yet what neither Job nor his friends understood 
understood in that time and in that moment that something was going on behind the scenes in heaven and that God was still in control. It was, it was God allowing Job to go through that, but, but yet God had a plan and God knew what he was doing all the time. And we, we serve a sovereign God. We serve a sovereign God who is in control at all times. And, and though we may feel like everything is slipping through our hands, God is still in control. And what they failed to understand on that day, Job and his friends, was that though it was a difficult season, God was going to restore Job. Yes, God was going to restore him, and I'm glad to tell you this morning that he is still a restorer. He is still one that can take something old, take something beaten, take something that has been through some things, and he can make it new. That when things are falling apart, that when things are falling to pieces, God can still put it back together again. God can still do it. We're given an, a metaphor of how God restores us in, in our scripture today. We're given a metaphor of what God is working through in, in this minor prophet that we know as Amos. It's a great book that, that serves to us as a representative example of the Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets. He, along with the other minor prophets that we know, warned Israel that unless they changed their ways, unless they turned from their wicked ways, unless they turned their hearts back to God, that there was going to be some difficult days ahead of them, that God's judgment would sweep in and devour them. And God had chosen Israel to be his very own special possession. He raised them up. He raised them up. He took them by the hand and he led them out of Egypt. He fed them and he provided for them in the wilderness for 40 years that so much that God preserved everything that they were wearing. That's, that's incredible to know that, that the God that we serve, when he does something, he does it perfect. And God, God can do everything, but he cannot fail. And the, that their shoes did not wear out in 40 years because he kept them in that time. He provided for them. He provided a land that was flowing with milk and honey, and he drove out their enemies before them. He gave them a king when they asked for a king, even though it was not his perfect plan for them. He blessed their crops, and he increased their borders. Yet the people had the habit of saying, of seeing God work, but yet turning their back to God. Yet they, they saw him do great things, but yet they still wanted to do their own thing. They had the tendency to worship idols, to worship different things. And God sent these prophets. He sent these prophets to warn them, but they repeatedly refused to listen and continued to worship their idols. Finally, the breaking point came in the story, and this prophet named Amos walks into the scene. And he prophesies a, captive, a captivity that is coming. He prophesied that the Assyrians would invade their land and destroy their land and destroy their crops and take the people captive that were in there and that the destruction would be so severe that what remained of Israel could be compared to two leg bones or that of a piece of an ear. We can learn from this metaphor and we can learn from this story that the God we serve can take two legs and take an ear and do something incredible with it. We, we serve a God that can take the smallest things 
and do something extraordinary. We serve a God that can take your failing marriage or, or your career that is suffering right now and he can restore it and make it good. We serve a God that can take the kids that you're dealing with at home right now that seem to be going through a rebellious stage and he can heal them and make them well. We serve a God that can take your finances that seem to be struggling today and he can show you that he is Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. We serve a God that can take something small and say, even though you just have a little bit of it, I can do something great with it. That is who we serve. So there are several important lessons that we need to remember from this passage when everything in our lives, when things around us seem to be falling apart, we have to know that God restores. We have to know that God restores. In ancient times, Predators like lions and wolves would often attack the sheep and the shepherd was responsible and he, had to, he was held accountable for the animals that were under his care. And, and whenever a predator came, the, the pieces that were left, what the shepherd would do, he would gather them and he would take them to the sheep owner for account to let them know that it was not of his wrongdoing, but rather it was an animal that came and, and just devoured. So here God takes the role of the shepherd who recovers the two leg bones or recovers the piece of an ear and, and lets us know that Israel is going to be devastated. Israel is going to go through a difficult time. And that may be you. That may be us this morning that we're, we're going through a devastation, but it is not beyond recovery. That is what God wanted them to know, that what you're going through is not beyond recovery. It is not beyond recovery. You have to take that into your spirit and let that soak and, and begin to declare that over your life, that whatever I'm going through, it is not beyond recovery. No, no, it is not beyond recovery. It may look bad right now. It may smell bad. It may not have the best appearance. It may be, it may be at its very wit end, but it, it is not beyond recovery. God would take, and he would take those two leg bones, and he would take that piece of an ear, and he would restore Israel to blessing and to favor again. And God's restoration and his promise is found in Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. And the thing is that there is some time between the Amos chapter 3 and between Amos chapter 9. There is some time that goes by and that may be where you are this morning. You're somewhere stuck between chapter 3 and, and between chapter 9. You've gone through it. You've suffered. You've cried. You've been disappointed. You've gone through the devastation. But you're waiting for chapter 9 to come where God says, I will restore, I will restore, I will make new. His promise is found in Amos 9, 11, and it says this, in that day, in that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. How many are ready for that day? How many are ready for that day that you've cried long enough and you've been sad long enough and enough tears have come down your cheek? You've worried long enough. You've been frustrated long enough. You've been through it enough. And we are waiting for that day when he says, I will take the pieces and I will put them back together again. I'm grateful for a God that always has 
a timely word for his people. I'm glad for a God that doesn't leave us in our fallen state. And though we may, though we may struggle and though we may go through difficult times, I'm glad for, for that weeping may endure for a night, but that joy comes in the morning. There comes a better day. He, he says in Isaiah, he says in Isaiah, I will do a new thing. I will do a new. How many are ready for a new thing this morning? I've been through enough stuff that I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for a new day. I'm ready for a new hope. I'm ready for a new perspective. I'm ready for a new vision. I'm ready for a new smile. I'm ready for a new praise. I'm ready for a new death. I've been through it enough that I'm ready for a new, a new day. Yes, yes, I believe it today. I believe it today that there is a new day that is coming for you. You've, he says, I will repair its bro broken places. And I will restore its ruins and I will build it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. When he's talking about David's fallen tent, he's talking about the Davidic line that we would know to be Jesus Christ, our Lord, that, that a future king would come from the house of David and restore Israel's ruins and build her back again. Though Israel was down and out, you can't count them out just yet because God promised restoration. God promised restoration. Maybe there are some lions in your life this morning. Maybe there are some lions in your life that have attacked you and that have left it in ruins. Maybe there's some things that have attacked your spirit and your heart. Maybe it's been, your heart has been shattered into thousands of pieces by the assaults upon your family, upon your relationships, upon your emotions, upon your spirit. Maybe all you have left today is just two leg bones and a piece of an ear. And if that describes you today, be encouraged that God is a restorer, that he is the same, the same God that's working in Amos is the same God that's working in 2021. Throughout the Bible, we see that God is a restorer. In one day, Job lost everything, his health, his wealth, his family, he lost everything. He found himself lying in the dust. And, and the Bible says he was scraping his boils with broken pottery pieces. But yet in that moment of weakness, in that moment of sadness, he found himself. And in that, God still restored him and blessed him with more than what he had in the beginning. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, the Bible tells us that David and his men returned from the battle after being at war, and when they come home, they find that their women are taken, that their children are taken, and that they've burned up the entire city. David's men begin to talk about him and begin to criticize him and begin to, to say, you are the reason why we are in this place. But the Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Nobody was there to lift him up. Nobody was there to pat him on the back, but yet he encouraged himself in the Lord. He had the attitude. He had the mind that if nobody is here to support me, I have a God. I have a God in heaven that is with me. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that his word says that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. David said, I encouraged myself. And the Bible says that he recovered all. But that not only that, let's jump to the New Testament. Peter failed Jesus. 
He betrayed him. He cursed at him. He said, nope, I'm, I'm, I have nothing to do with that guy. But it was this same cursor, this same man that failed God, that failed Jesus, that, that God, that he was picked up and he preached the very first message that we know of on the day of Pentecost. It was God that did it. God restored his bad choices and God restored his mistakes and God restored his failures and made him somebody new. And made him somebody new. And in the days of the prophet Joel, God sent an invasion of locusts to tear apart the land until Israel was left with nothing. But even in that, God speaks to the prophet and he says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer. And the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. Look at what God says. He says, not only am I going to do something new right now. He goes, I'm going to restore what you have lost. I'm going to restore the years that you had to go through this. While this prophecy of restoration was meant specifically for Israel, it shows us the nature of the God that we serve that is willing to restore and in my own life and in your own life also, we can testify that God is a restorer. Amen. We can testify that he is a restorer. We can testify that when we're down, God is always up to something. Some of us may know what it's like to have how, uh, creditors hounding us and calling us. Some of us may know what it's like to be evicted from our houses. Some of us may know what it's like where our next, to not know where our next meal will come from. Some of us may know what it's like to, to know what it's like to have been sick, but, but God showed up. I, I'm glad that God showed up. I'm glad that he showed up. And, and, and I know what it's like to watch God respond store and God to pick up and God to add to his blessing to us. I'm sure there are many of us in this place that could testify in that same manner that, that God delights in restoration and that if we all could tell our story the way he has done, I think sometimes we have the connotation that, that God has it out for us, but I find it sometimes that that is not the case because God does not find pleasure in making his children's suffer, that nothing could be further from the truth. If, the, if you're feeling that today, God does desire to restore. God is glorified in the restoration of his people. And in the writing of the Old Testament prophets, God mentions his coming judgment upon the people. He always let them know, hey, if you don't take care of things the way they need to be taken care of, this is going to happen. Israel would be in a difficult position. It's a story that we see that happens time and time again. But God restores. God never mentioned destruction or devastation without offering restoration. There was always restoration. And if everything is falling apart for you today, I want to remind you that God can take the brokenness and do something incredible with it. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible for him. Sometimes we think that what we're going through is too big for him. And we're tempted to think that the problems we find ourselves is too much for him to handle. And when we are left in that predicament and in that position, we start doubting God's goodness over our lives. And we even start to doubt 
his power and his ability to do something. But let me encourage you with this, that sometimes God waits until we're down to nothing in order to show us his great power and in order to show us who he really is because God specializes in taking nothing and making it something good. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, check this out, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So what is seen was made out of what was not seen. So what is seen was made out of what was not seen. In other words, God took nothing and he made the creation that we see today. God took nothing and made something out of it. God can take your nothing today and make it a beautiful picture and, and a portrait of his goodness and make it a portrait of his faithfulness and make it a portrait of who he is. Next, you have to remember that God remains. God remains. When a sheep was destroyed by a predator and only a few pieces of its body remained, the shepherd was still there to pick up the pieces. The Bible says that he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. That the flock moved on, but that the shepherd remained. Did you know that you're that important to God that he will do it for you? That you're that, that if there was one sheep that was just left there, he would let the others go and he would go back and take the pieces. You matter that much to him this morning. And he wants to remind you that no matter how far you feel from him and how estranged you feel from him, that he is still there for you. We have a shepherd that will never leave us nor forsake us, that though our lives may be in a thousand pieces, God still remains. Everyone else may leave us, but he remains. Everyone else may walk out on us, but he remains. Everyone else may give up on us, but God never gives up on us. Family and friends may give up on us, but God never gives up. We have to be careful in these times that we don't rely on our feelings and that we don't make any choices based on our temporary emotions. That there are times that we are not going to sense God and we're not going to feel that he's near. But though he, we don't feel it, he is still near. I, I come to tell you today that we come into this place and we worship him because he deserves to be worshipped. It's not based on my emotion. It's not based on my feeling. It's not based on if I had a good day or if I had a bad day. No, I worship him because of who he is. And the, the important thing that we need to realize that even though he, we may not feel him close by at times, he is always present. He is always present. The Bible reminds us that's why it's important to live by faith and not by sight. In other words, don't, chud, don't, don't make a decision based off of what you see and based on what is, what is around you. And many times Israel rebelled against God and worshipped idols, but God never gave up on them. And over and over again, he called them through his prophets. Even when the judgment finally arrived, God told Israel that despite invasion, that despite everything that they're going through, there is still going to be a new day. In Leviticus chapter 26, he says this, Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject or avoid them so as to completely destroy them, breaking my covenant 
with them. But I am the Lord their God. I'm glad that he doesn't reject us. I'm glad he doesn't reject us. I am the Lord their God, but for their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their Lord. I am their God. Notice that the Lord declares that he would not give up on his people, but that he would hold their hand and see them through. The apostle Paul tells us this, that if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. When you fail, he doesn't fail, for he cannot disown himself. It is the Lord's integrity that is at stake and it is his reputation that is at stake. And if there's one thing that he will never do, he will never void his word. And his word says that when you go through the fire, I will be with you. And when you go through the waters, they will not overtake. His word says, I will be with you all the days until the ends of the earth. It is his integrity that is at stake and he will never void his word. But the truth is that sometimes life does have a way of taking us through twists and turns, through different, through different ways that we feel disappointment. But through those moments, we discover who God really is. He says this in Amos chapter 5. I'm about to close. Seek me. Watch what he says. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile. Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord, and you shall live. What was God telling them? Don't look for what you need in Bethel. Don't look for it in Gilgal. Don't look for it in Beersheba. Come to God. Could that be our story this morning that we're looking for love? In relationships when God is the only one that can make us complete? Could it be this morning that we're looking to work things out ourselves when God is the only one that can really do it for us? Could it be that we're running to Gilgal? Could it be that we're running to Beersheba? Could it be that we're trying to look for a way out in these different means when God is our provider? When God is the answer? God is challenging Israel to consider their ways. Israel had abandoned God and sought, their, sought after idols. And they had turned the page. And they had turned their back on God. The worship team will come. Now God tells Israel that if they will abandon the rebellion and seek him, they will live. If you are left today with only pieces in your life, I'm going to invite you to search within. Is it your own disobedience that has brought you to this point? How many, we, we know that our poor choices can result in some of the things that have brought upon us. Has your life fallen apart because you have been seeking all the wrong things in all the wrong places? Has your focus been on the wrong matters? Have you worshiped things that you shouldn't? Have you forgotten about God and looked for a way out through different means when we should be looking for him? 
God's word to us today is to turn back to him. Stop looking for a deliverance. Stop looking for a way out in the other things that we have been through. Life is found only in Christ. Christ remains. He restores. He remains. And the last thing is he redeems. I'm glad for a redeeming God. Glad for a redeeming God. That the leg bone below the knees of a lamb is, is dry, it's bone only, and it's pretty much worthless. Even predators would usually not eat the leg bone because there was nothing there for them. But when the bones were left behind, the shepherd would gather them. Can you capture this visual with me? Can you capture this visual with me of, a pred- of, of, this, sh- of this predator just leaving just these two leg bones that they're not able to draw anything from? But here comes the shepherd. Here comes the shepherd, and he picks them up. picks it up and he says he recognizes the significance and the importance of what is left on the ground and though no, none of us could see any potential and could see any life and could see any good coming from what is left the shepherd says I call those things that are not as though they were because I have the power to make them be what they ought to be. I'm glad that he sees beyond my failures. I'm glad he sees beyond my disappointment. I'm glad he sees the fragments of my life. I'm glad he sees that when my spirit is wounded and it's on the ground, and I'm glad he sees that when my heart is broken and has been torn into pieces, I'm glad that, well, it could go unnoticed to you. It doesn't go unnoticed to him. It doesn't go unnoticed to him. And that's what he... From two leg bones, from a piece of an ear, that God would take that and he would build Israel back again. Amos 9 says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I will bring back my exiled people. They will rebuild the ruined cities and they will live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Though all you have left are some leg bones, and all you have left is a piece of an ear, just a little bit of faith, and just a little bit of hope, and just a little bit of my stability, God says, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to make, I'm going to fortify their cities, and I'm going to take the 
ruins and I'm going to take the heartbreak and I'm going to take your disappointment and I'm going to take your horrible past. I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to put you in a place where you are going to be in my in the land, in the place that I have called you to be. I'm grateful for a God who sees my potential. I'm grateful for a God who sees the potential in your broken relationship and in your heart that is wounded. He says, I can take that and I can pick you up. I can pick you up. I can pick you up. That's when we put what we have in the hands of the master. That's what makes the difference. When you put what you have in the hands of the master, it's what makes the difference. Whose hands? Is your, is your problem in your hands or have you surrendered it to God? Is your disappointment in your hands or have you surrendered it to God? In whose hands it is makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. In my hands, a paintbrush is just a brush. But in the hands of Michelangelo, it's the Sistine Chapel. In my hands, a basketball is just that, a basketball. It's not significant, but in the hands of Michael Jordan, it's six NBA championships. Your heartbreak in your hands may not be going anywhere, but your heartbreak in God's hands. Your disappointment and your challenge, your dilemma, your struggle in your hands may not be going anywhere. It may not be anything, but have you put it in God's hands? Whose hands is it in? I, I challenge you this morning that whatever you have, your, your pieces, that if you would just say, God, here it is. I can't do anything with this. But if you do it, you can build something great. You can rebuild the areas of my life that have been fragmented. That have been fragmented that have been fragmented. You may be low today, but God is ready to do something in your life that will amaze you. And the fact that you're still here is a testament in and of itself that God can do something with you. If everything is falling apart in your life, there is hope for you. There is hope for you. God isn't finished with you yet. God hasn't finished with you yet. I'm going to invite everybody to close your eyes. Bow your head right where you're at. In this, in this time right now, wherever you find yourself in life, God wants to remind you that he is a restorer, that he can make all things new that he can make all things new. But maybe this, in this place, there's someone that has not given their life. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus and maybe you haven't said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. And if you'd like to make that first time decision today, we wanna provide you with it. We wanna give you that incredible privilege to see God, I surrender my life to you. I've tried on my own and I've failed, but I need you right now in this moment. If that's you with every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. Yes, 
God is a healer, he's a restorer, but he's a savior. He is a savior. So we want to pray together with you. So everyone at the sound of my voice, would you repeat after me? Lord, I admit, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe you are Jesus, the son of God who died for the sins of the world. I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and as King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So excited that you made that decision today. But I want to invite you to stand. As we enter a moment of worship, But you in this place, I don't want to give, I don't want you to leave without an opportunity to pray for you because if you, if there is something in your life, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, there's a God that has control over it all. And if there's an area in your life where you say there's only pieces left, I don't have a whole lot left, it's just pieces. And, you, and you're believing that God can take the pieces and, and restore and do a new thing in you. I want to invite you to come to this altar. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God. And I'm going to invite everyone as a worship team sings, let's enter into this moment and, and thank him for what he is going to do. Father, in this moment, right now, God, we believe that you are a miracle worker. We believe that there is nothing impossible for you. We believe that there is nothing too difficult for you. God, that there are areas, that though there are areas in our lives that are hurting, God, we put our hurt in your hands. We put the pieces of what is left, of what used to be in your hands, and we trust you with it. We trust you with it. Right now, God, I pray for everyone in this place that is hurting, that is down, that's been disappointed by circumstances, by what life has thrown their way. Right now, God, I pray that they would feel the encouragement that only comes from you. I pray right now that they would begin to see a new perspective of what you can do. We trust you for it right now, and we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. I thank you that you can take the two leg bones, that you can take what would seem virtually worthless, God, and make something incredible out of it. Right now, we put it all in your hands. We put it all in your hands. In Jesus' name, 